Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Allen Derry, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Doc Griggs, and I'm a community medicine doctor and health literacy expert. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician, that's me, and a health literacy and communications expert, that's me, talk about what you need to know about COVID-19. You can find more information about this show and our other daily live updates and Q&A show at noisefiltershow.com. So let's get started. So let's talk about the death rates in India. As the coronavirus pandemic accelerates in the world's second most populous nation, India crossed a once unthinkable threshold, and that was 1 million confirmed cases, and now joining the US and Brazil in a club no other country wants to enter. Yet the figure lies in a paradox. India has arrived at this milestone with about half the number of deaths, about 25,000, as those two countries recorded at about the same point in their outbreaks. India's comparatively low death rates, both as a percentage of total cases and per million population, is something of a mystery. The Indian government has cited the figures repeatedly to reassure a worried populace, saying such statistics show the country's faring better than many others in the pandemic. While initially researchers believe that they may have been tied to a lack of robust reporting, in May, for instance, the total deaths in the city of Mumbai were about 13,000 compared to almost 7,000 in the same month the year before. Now, that difference is larger than the number of coronavirus deaths registered in Mumbai in May which was 2,000 cases. Still, other theories are that there's possibly a widespread exposure to the TB vaccine, the BCG vaccine, which may stimulate the immune system to fight COVID-19, or even that there may be some genetic factor that's present in the population. So, okay, so let's talk about this. None of these uh, factors or um, theories have been proven, and while there are many theories that contribute to the supposed lower death rate, one major one might be even more simple, namely, that's the fact that India has a predominantly youthful population. In fact, according to the most recent census, only 5% of Indians are 65 or older, while more than half that's half of India's population, are under the age of 25. Now, although much remains unknown about the virus, studies have shown that older people are far more likely to experience severe or fatal outcomes. Now, this is a story which is being written in countries around the world, and we would only caution listeners to take any reports which seems to depart from the science with a measure of skepticism, or better yet, as a mystery that probably isn't yet solved. Again, I just wanted to kind of highlight two, I think, the most two important factors of this story, which is, again, in India, you have a very young population, and I really think that we need to be looking at the BCG vaccine. This is this TB vaccine that is incredibly important uh, in saving lives of newborns and children with respect to extra pulmonary TB, that's TB, that could happen in the central nervous system or in the bones or different parts of your body. And that BCG vaccine has been incredibly important in saving the lives of children who've been exposed to TB and high TB prevalent areas like India. But what we're seeing, interestingly enough, and again, this is complete 
epidemiological speculation. There have been several very well-written papers on this, but it does appear that countries that do have high levels of BCG vaccine rates have lower levels of COVID-19. And again, I just say that story is still as of yet to be written. So stay tuned because on a noise filter, I will definitely follow up on that because that's such an interesting element here of the coronavirus conundrum that we've seen. So stay tuned. The eyes on the world have been on New Zealand as the country went for more than 100 days without a single reported community outbreak of COVID-19 with astronomically low case reports, really almost none. And then as of this past couple days, there were 13 new reports of locally transmitted cases. Consequently, they responded quickly, reimposing a lockdown on Auckland, the largest city in the country. Now, it's not yet known what origins the recent infections on in the country stem from, but one hypothesis is that the virus spread through cargo at a warehouse. Uh, another consideration is within the quarantine facilities designated for possible returning travelers. Nevertheless, even with all these unknowns, the state quickly reverted back to lockdown procedures without hesitation. So important. New Zealand has been praised for its successful combat against the virus. In Auckland, a major city with 1.7 million people, enforced its lockdown on Thursday. They have every intention to quickly quash this recent transmission through enforcement of mandated safety procedures once again. Now, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern stated, Going hard and early is still the best course of action. We have come too far to go backwards, and I agree with her. The very sentiment has been reflected in the actionable and urgent steps the nation now takes to prevent the resurgence of doing additional harm. My thoughts here is New Zealand reacts with great urgency so swiftly many other global nations are taking notes. A New Zealand epidemiologist noted that the resurgence of the virus in the country must have come from beyond the state's borders as they quashed the transmission within New Zealand for more than 100 days. So it's quite interesting how stark the differences have been between nations across the globe in handling the virus. Again, many kudos to New Zealand for setting an honorable example, uh, as we can only hope that other nations, especially here in the U.S., will follow suit. And I also can assure you that New Zealand will go down in the history books as being one of the very few countries that handled the coronavirus uh, situation almost as perfectly as they could. So let's talk about something I love to talk about, which are masks. Masks, masks, masks. Mask up, COVID down. So which masks are the best masks? Now that we are all finally getting onto the same page about the effectiveness of wearing masks to reduce viral spread, the question is, which masks are the most effective? Now, this was recently in the news just uh, last week. Now, I think it is safe to say that never in America's history has there been such a selection of facial masks for viruses or bacterial infections. There's multiple colors, there's fabrics, and some have messages like vote, or they make a fashion statement. My mask today actually has those old-fashioned plague doctors uh, from uh, Venice, you know, the ones that have the big beak and the hat, That's I'm wearing that. I also have another great mask I wish I could show you that says mask up, COVID down. Okay, but when it comes to what offers the most protection, there's no doubt that those surgical-grade cloth masks and the N95 receptors offer the best. But those are 
really should be limited for those that are in the medical field and not sold to the general public so that healthcare workers can have the appropriate PPE protection that could be made available to them. So there's a bunch of other masks, right? Those single-use paper masks, those homemade cloth masks. What are those masks actually like? Uh, so a study that was done back in, uh, in April looked at the household materials that were best that removed particles of about 0.3 to 1 micron in diameter, which is typically the size of a virus or bacteria. And they found that vacuum cleaner bags and heavyweight quilters cotton or multiple layers of material were very effective. But the study that was just done about a week ago or so showed that there was multiple homemade masks that were really quite effective. And in fact, uh, the CDC said that the tighter-fitting ones are probably the best, including bandanas, which are actually better than nothing. Both scarves and the bandana material are less effective, but they did capture a fraction of particles. Now, there was one type of mask that actually made things worse, right? You'd think that if you're wearing anything in front of your mouth, that's going to protect the droplets from leaving your mouth. But no, actually neck gaiters, right? Fleece were more likely to break up droplets and smaller particles and possibly even aerosolize them uh, and it dispersed them into the air. Uh, so don't choose those. And I love what a spokesperson from the Infectious Diseases Society of America, that's my organization, said that the best mask is the one that's worn correctly. Yes, indeed. So it's funny that there's finally a study that's been done on this. Uh, there's a great video that shows uh, how that study was done with lasers. It's surprisingly easy to do. And funny enough, it doesn't take an expert to do it. Literally anyone can replicate it. So in short, the masks that you're making at home actually work very well. The surgical masks work great as well. Uh, so please continue to mask up, but please stay away from the fleece uh, masks uh, or those so-called neck gaiters because they actually make things worse. All right, so mask up, COVID down. Thanks for listening to the Noise Filter Daily Podcast. Dr. Derry and I have a daily show at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time where we go into more detail on stories and answer your questions about COVID-19. You can find Doc Griggs at DocGriggs1 on social media, and you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter, and for more information about us and the show, you can go to NoiseFilterShow.com. Hey, Doc Griggs, any last words? Remember, get checked, get fit, get moving. And remember to get some rest to boost your immune system. And Doc, protect yourself and others by staying home and please wear masks when you go outside. Remember, health is a human right.